The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of executive coaching, facilitation, and professional speaking. In a 2013 article in Psychology Today, Dr. Mark Sherman explained that Robert Burns, the great 18th century Scottish poet and songwriter, wrote the words of Auld Lang Syne the traditional song used to say goodbye to the old year and welcome the new year on New Year's Eve. And by extension, it's also sang at funerals, graduations, and other occasions. And he is also famous at other occasions. He's also famous for something else. The line, oh, would some power the gift give us to see ourselves as others see us. My guest today, also a psychologist, builds on that idea, that phrase that I I really love, the idea of being able to see ourselves as others see us as leaders. My guest today has written the book Insight, the surprising truth about how others see us how we see ourselves, and why the answers matter more than we think. Now, how's that for a provocative title? My guest today is Dr. Tasha Urick. She's an organizational psychologist, researcher, and New York Times bestselling author who has helped thousands of leaders and professionals improve their self-awareness and success. In 2019, she was named one of the top emerging management thinkers in the world by Thinkers 50, as well as a top 50 world leader in coaching. Dr. Yurick's first book, Bankable Leadership, debuted at number eight on the New York Times bestseller list. Her latest book that I just mentioned, Insight, delves into the connection between self-awareness, and success. Hailed as a bold, exhilarating take on self-improvement by Success Magazine and a fascinating read by The Guardian, Insight was named a best book of 2017 by Strategy in Business 
and nominated for Best Book of the Year by 800 CEO Read. With that, I welcome Dr. Tasha Urick to the Keep Leading Podcast. Thank you. Great to be here, Eddie. Thank you for being here. I am absolutely fascinated with your work, and I got a chance to meet you in person at the very first Marshall Goldsmith annual meeting for the 100 Coaches, which I should mention you're a part of. Yeah, it was just a few months ago, but it feels like a lifetime, doesn't it? It does. It does, doesn't it? And it's like, wow. It was. We knew it was important that Marshall was bringing us all together for that very first meeting. But now in hindsight, it seems like it was even more important that we were all pulled together from around the globe. Well said. I agree. Well, tell us the motivation for your book, Insight. I've been an organizational psychologist for almost the last 20 years. And, um, you know, I have a lot of areas that I'm passionate about and have, have worked in. But about six or seven years ago, I started to see this very clear pattern emerge. And what it amounted to was every time I, I worked with a, an executive, and usually I, I coach the top two or three levels in mid-sized to large organizations, I would get paid to, you know, essentially tell these very powerful, very successful people, the truth that everybody else was afraid to tell them about how they were coming across and how they were seen. And, you know, that sort of oversimplifies the process. But in some sense, that's the essence of uh, what our role is, right? Yes. And what I saw was, you know, I'm, I'm constantly inspired by my clients and those that had the courage and the commitment and, uh, you know, the, the, smarts, frankly, to look themselves square in the eyes and say, this is who I am. This is what matters to me. This is how people see me. We're able to make these really dramatic transformations in not just their effectiveness as leaders, but in how they were living their lives as human beings, as spouses, as parents, as friends. And as I sort of scanned outside of that work, I looked at a world that seemed to be, you know, less and less self-aware with every passing year, right? We're getting more and more self-absorbed and less and less self-aware. And what what I began to wonder was sort of scientifically, is this skill that we call self-awareness as important as I thought it was? Um, and so I, I convened a research team in uh, a pretty large-scale, first-of-its-kind study where we wanted to basically answer the following question scientifically. What is self-awareness? You know, it's one of those words we toss around, but what does it really mean? Where does it come from? Why do we need it? And how do we get more of it? And what's been so fascinating about this research, which is, you know, eventually I published in, in Insight in a number of places as well, was how surprising so many of the findings were. We discovered that a lot of the most commonly accepted pieces of wisdom about what it takes to be more self-aware were actually wrong. Really? How so? (laughs) Oh gosh, how long do you have? Well, there's a... (laughs) I, I, I almost don't even know how to answer that question because there's so many aspects to it, but maybe maybe they'll emerge during our conversation. Okay. And that's also a teaser to read the book, I take it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so let me say this. I love what you said, and this is going to be the new way I introduce myself when, I, when people ask me, what do you do for a living? I'm going to say, well, according to Dr. Urich, I get paid to tell people, tell the most powerful people the truth. I love that. Sometimes what I add to it is, and I've only been fired once for doing ah. 
I absolutely love that. <laughs> yes, yes, that is beautiful. I'm serious. I love that. And I love how you said that unlike me, I may have just went and gotten a couple more books and did some more reading about it. You convened a, an entire research team to dig into this, to study it. And you came up with the what, why, and how. So just fascinating. And I also like how you talked about uh, how you move people from being self-absorbed to self-aware. I, I love the what, why, and how. I've, I've never thought about it that way, but that's exactly what we did. And it, what was interesting about the study, I think, was I sort of had this naive view of like, oh, you know, I'll get some research assistance and find a couple of, you know, academic colleagues and we'll really figure this out in under a year. <laughs> and, it, you know, it, it was this huge undertaking where we basically had to read every study that was ever done um, that was remotely about self-awareness. We um, collected data from thousands and thousands of people around the world. And then probably most interesting for our purposes, we identified 50 people, five zero, um, like my clients that I mentioned who may, you know, maybe who didn't even start out as particularly self-aware, but who made these dramatic transformations in their level of self-knowledge. And we, that was where we found a lot of our surprises was, you know, when we thought people would be doing A, we found that this group of people was doing B. And we thought, well, that's really interesting. Um, and so we were able to peel back that onion um, with, with a, lot of, a lot of investigating and a lot of science. As, as, as usual, science came to the rescue for us. <laughs> and what's been the reaction? You know, I, it's interesting because people say, you know, I, I read a lot of articles about self-awareness and there's all, all these platitudes, you know, ask yourself questions about yourself or get feedback. But what I think people appreciate about our work is um, sort of two things. Number one is it really is asking these questions empirically. It's not just making assumptions and or using someone's opinion. Um, but then I think, too, is there's so many practical takeaways. And I discovered that was a wonderful surprise was the most self-aware people in the world don't actually spend as much time on seeing themselves clearly as you might think. They, they if anything, had, you know, daily practices that didn't take too much time, but that gave them these opportunities to just slowly and incrementally see themselves more clearly. And if you add that up over months or years, um, it's no wonder they're so self-aware. And self-awareness is something that's severely lacking in our world today at all levels, but most painfully at the highest levels of leadership. And one of the things you did at the MG100 event is this is an event for those who may not know, Marshall Goldsmith's 100 coaches are some of the top thinkers, coaches, speakers, CEOs in the world. Tasha walked out there on that stage and blew everyone away. This high level audience, she mesmerized us. And that's why after I listened to you, I said, I've got to have her on the show. And one of the things you covered was this ideal of self-awareness and how important it is to success. Can you share with us just a couple of the highlights around the connection? I'd be glad to. And thank you for your kind words. That's really humbling. It was uh, such a wonderful experience talking to that group. But the findings are very clear around self-awareness. And if anything, I'm even more convinced that it is the central skill 
that determines our success and happiness in the 21st century. So this is just a, a couple of examples, but I think some powerful ones, hopefully. So we and others have discovered that people who are self-aware perform better at work. They're more promotable. They're more effective and respected leaders with more engaged employees. They're better communicators. They're better influencers. They are less likely to lie, cheat, and steal. <laughs> they, um, I, right? Pretty cool. <laughs> Very good for companies, right? Um, yes. And then if, you, if we sort of toggle over to life outside of work, uh, most of us have them, uh, people who are self-aware tend to be uh, better parents who raise less self-absorbed, um, less narcissistic, and more mature children. They tend to be happier in their romantic relationships. They're more satisfied with their friendships. Um, and so all of these things at, at the individual level are really powerful. And then if you add to that, there's been some recent evidence that shows that companies who are led by self-aware leaders, um, as well as companies who are made up of large numbers of self-aware employees, tend to perform better financially. And so the skill, you know, when people hear, if I'm at a cocktail party, when well, well, we used to go to co cocktail parties, uh, when people would find out, oh, she's a self-awareness researcher. That's been so long ago. I know. It's like another <laughs> lifetime. Or when we're on our Zoom happy hour, I guess now. Um, you know, people sort of say, oh, well, well self-awareness isn't that nice. Like, isn't that a nice soft skill? Uh, and, and what I, again, am more confident than ever before is that the people who work on their self-awareness, as we'll discover probably in the rest of our conversation, um, there's not very many self-aware people out there. So if you work on this skill, you will have a phenomenal leg up. And it, it's one of those things that almost no one does. And so if, if anybody who's listening to this can improve their self-awareness by 10%, just think about what that opens up for you in terms of your success and your happiness and your influence. It's, it's really incredible. So you have me hanging on your last few words that you said there are not that many people like that out there. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Well, so I'm going to give you a statistic that um, is really dramatic, but then if you think about it, it feels exactly right. So according to our research, we've discovered that about 95% of people believe that they're self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> I get but, you now. <laughs> Only 10 to 15% of us actually are. Okay, you've got me nervous now. You've got me nervous now because... That's good, that's good. <laughs> all this time I've been thinking that I'm not that I'm self-aware, but you're saying I may actually be a part of that 90%. <laughs> you and me both. I'll, I'll get to that. That's all in due time. Um, but, but, you know, 95%, 10 to 15%, of course it's not as simple as you are self-aware or you're not. But just for the purposes of illustrating this phenomenon, you know, on a good day, that means that roughly 80% of us are lying to ourselves about whether we're lying to ourselves. <laughs> and what I've discovered, uh, along with everyone else, is, is I too am in that category of people who, you know, most of us think we're a lot more self-aware than we actually are. But I've, I've come around on this. And, you know, for all of us, it's kind of a tough slog sometimes. But what this means is no matter what we know about ourselves, there's always more to discover. And our, our highly self-aware people that we studied, you know, that I mentioned earlier, they are the most self-aware and they, they spend the most, you know, sort of time and energy uh, focused on developing it. And so, so to me, I actually see it as this wonderful lifelong journey 
where there's always more to learn. Um, and so that's, that's the way I like to, to frame it for people. Otherwise it feels like this, you know, huge undertaking that could take forever and we'll never get there. Um, it's, it's on the contrary, I think. All right. Well, I'm talking to the amazing Dr. Tasha Urich, who has me actually questioning my own self right about now. <laughs> She's the author of Insight, and she is helping us to understand the importance of self-awareness to success and says that self-awareness determines the success in the 21st century. We'll have more with Dr. Eric right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one -on -one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is Lou Diamond from Thrive Loud with Lou Diamond, and you are listening to the Keep Leading Podcast with Eddie Turner. Okay, we're back. I'm talking to the amazing Dr. Tasha Urich. She is an organizational psychologist, and she revealed something quite interesting before the break. She said that self-awareness is a central skill that determines success and happiness in the 21st century. Now, you said something also, Tasha, that I want to cover. You said that if we could just improve our self-awareness 10%, we'd be better as leaders. So the big question is, how? <laughs> that is the right question, by the way. In order to answer that, um, I'm going to give your listeners two really specific tools. But I want to talk about what do we know about ourselves when we are self-aware? Because I think that's really important as a foundation. So we've discovered that you know, self-awareness at a high level is the will and skill to see ourselves clearly. But if you drill down one more level, you start to see um, what do we know about ourselves when, when we see ourselves clearly. And we've discovered two main categories of self-awareness that are independent. And I'll come back to why that's important. So the first type of self-awareness is something we named internal self-awareness. And what that means is seeing yourself clearly from the inside out. In other words, who are you? What are your values and principles? What do you aspire to and what do you want to accomplish? What are you passionate about? So kind of those things, who are you? What makes you tick? The second type of self-knowledge that's just as important is something we named external self-awareness, which is um, self-awareness from the outside in. And what that's about is understanding how other people see us. In other words, how are we coming across? What's the impact we're having on, on the people around us? And each of those types of self-knowledge is sort of independently acquired. And what I mean by that is just because you know, a person sees themselves clearly internally doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be seeking feedback from others and vice versa. Just because someone cares about how they're seen um, and coming across doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing the work to know who they are and what they want. And that's where this starts to chart a path for us is to say, okay, so I think the first thing, and I'll give your listeners a, a specific resource to do this towards the end, but the okay. first question to ask is, you know, where do I fall in both of these areas? How much time and energy do I spend really trying to understand who I am and what I'm about? 
how much energy am I spending getting feedback from other people and sort of checking my perception against theirs? If you're like most of us, you might find one thing that you're doing a little better and then maybe one thing that you've neglected. And, and I think that's an important place to start because if we simultaneously start firing on all cylinders of self-awareness, we're not really setting ourselves up for success. So what I recommend is to pick one type of self-knowledge to sort of focus on. So let's say someone is saying, you know, um, I, I have a, a clear understanding of sort of uh, who I am on the inside, but I want to learn how I'm coming across. So in other words, I, I'm good on internal or I, I'm better developed. I want to learn how other people see me. So one very specific tool to use if you want to get more feedback from others is um, something I call loving critics. And what is so cool about this is this was one of our surprising findings that came from studying those 50 people who didn't start out as self-aware. And we were thinking they would say like, oh, I get feedback from everyone. I just listen to it. I weigh it equally. You know, if someone you know, passes by my cubicle and says, can I give you some feedback? I say, sure. <laughs> the most dreaded phrase in the English exactly, language. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, no, no one should ever say that ever again, as far as I'm concerned, but that's for another podcast. Um, what, we've, what we heard instead from, from these people was, you know, I've got three to five people maximum that I regularly turn to for honest feedback. And as we try to figure out who, you know, what were the characteristics of the people they relied on, we, we found two things. And I think as you're listening to this, most of us can identify a lot of people that fit one category, but not both. So the first thing they had to have was um, the feedback giver had to have their best interest at heart, right? So no frenemies need apply. It's like, I, I know this person wants me to be successful. But the second characteristic, again, just as important, was they had to believe that that person would tell them the truth. So, and not just, oh, you know, your new haircut looks great. You know, maybe <laughs> that's not the, do you really want to know? Okay, that's not the best haircut for you. And if you put these two things together, you have what we named loving critics. So a lot of people will tell us we're great no matter what. A lot of people might have, an, you know, not a lot, but some people might have an ulterior motive. But the true power in getting more feedback isn't necessarily as much about how we ask people. It's the more fundamental question about who we ask. So as a, as a practical next step, what I would suggest for, you know, any listeners who want to improve that external self-awareness is to make a list of, you know, start simple, two people that you want to be your loving critics. And I talk about this in a lot more detail and insight, but just to, to again, to keep it simple, um, figure out some kind of regular system where you can quickly ask them for feedback on something you're working on. So you might say, hey, listen, I've decided that I want to be a better public speaker because I really want to do a better job of, uh, you know, getting new clients. And so maybe you'd say, you're someone who sees me in these initial client presentations how would you feel about letting me take you out to coffee or virtual coffee uh, once a month? We'll chat for 15 minutes and, and we'll just see how you feel like I've been doing and what ideas you have for me moving forward. And if you do that with two people, call it, you know, 30 minutes a month. The amount of insight and, and not just insight, but actionable insight you'll get will be astonishing. So that's for people that want to work on their external self-awareness. That's one tool for many, but I think it's a powerful one. Let's say somebody has a, a different focus. They say, you know, I get a lot of feedback already, but I, maybe I want to have clarity on 
who I am and what I want. They want that internal self-awareness. There's a, a phenomenal tool that we learned from our research subjects that, that I named the daily check-in process. Mm -hmm. And going back to your question earlier about, you know, what are the things that people think make us self-aware that actually backfire? One of them we discovered was too much introspection really trying to figure out like, oh, why am I the way that I am? And what does it all mean? Mm -hmm. Sometimes can um, lead to a false sense of confidence about what we learn when there's a lot of stuff going on outside of our conscious awareness that we just can't appreciate or understand. And so what, what the daily check-in process is, is a way to simplify and inject our introspection with insight. So almost every single one of our research participants ask themselves the, a version of these three questions. And the idea is you ask them of yourself in five minutes or less. It, you don't have to even write down the answers. Just think them through as you're getting ready for bed, as you're brushing your teeth, you know, as you're winding down for the evening. Question one, what went well today? Question two, what didn't go so well today? And then question three, how can I be smarter tomorrow? And what I, what I just adore about these questions is they're designed to give us sort of quick, practical hits of insight that don't take us down the rabbit hole of, you know, why am I the way that I am? It's because I had an absent father. And, you know, who knows where that could lead. Um, but it's really about focusing on that actionable daily insight as an internal self-awareness practice. So hopefully one of those two things or both will be helpful for your listeners. Both were extremely helpful. I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And it made me think about something else that you said, which is you're going through this analysis to see who you are and building your level of self-awareness. You said that most leaders are surrounded by walls, mirrors, and liars. That is a, one of my favorite leadership quotes um, from a, a management professor that, that, you know, you really think about what that means. It means that the more power you have, the fewer people are telling you the truth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so all the more reason why self-awareness is so important. Exactly. And taking a proactive stance. It, here's the interesting thing um, is a lot of leaders walk around and, you know, you think I'm, I'm a pretty approachable person. You know, I'm the boss, but I'm, you know, human just like everybody else. And surely if I was doing something particularly egregious, someone would tell me. And there are decades and decades of findings that show that even without that power dynamic, most people tend to withhold the truth when it's difficult. Yes. And so if you add on top of that, this idea that, you know, not only is it hard to give honest feedback, but it might be career limiting. Um, I'm not going to go and sort of proactively provide this information to the person that sets my merit increases. <laughs> and so for leaders, I think there's something really empowering about taking full 100% responsibility for getting that critical feedback because no matter what happens, it's always better to know. And the reason for that is when you know, you get to decide what you're going to do about it instead of being a victim to your circumstances. Absolutely. So, so very important. And so uh, I appreciate you sharing these insights that help us grow as leaders. And I love how you defined it as the central skill that determines success and happiness in 21st century leaders. Uh, that is simply uh, very not only provocative, but thought-provoking. So thank you very, very much. 
How would you summarize our conversation today? How would I summarize it? I would say um, the journey of self-awareness for leaders and for everyone is a lifelong process. And what we discovered was that the people who are the most self-aware and therefore the happiest and the most successful have a lifelong commitment. And in having a lifelong commitment to see ourselves clearly, I think it removes some of the pressure that you know we have to get this instantaneous insight or we have to wait for a lightning bolt to hit us or this you know crazy dramatic thing to happen. Um, that it really is about those incremental moments where we can say, wait a minute, you know, I see myself this way, but what if other people didn't see me that way? Or this interesting outcome just happened that I wasn't predicting. You know, what might be going on there? And just sort of having this curiosity. One of our research subjects who was a a middle school science teacher gave this great analogy about, about discovering who we are and what that lifelong journey is. He said, it's a lot like exploring space. Because no matter what we have learned already, there's an almost infinite amount that there is still to learn. And that's what makes it so exciting. Mm -hmm. And I find that really inspirational. That is very inspirational indeed. I often ask, what's the best piece of advice or the best leadership quote you've ever heard that helps you lead that you can share with our leaders to help them keep leading? I, uh, I'm a big quote person, so it's it's hard to pick my favorite, but I think for our purposes today, uh, Rumi once said, yesterday, I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today, I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. Mm, I like that. I like that. That is very, very nice. <laughs> you, you've been fascinating to talk to, and I am not surprised because you were fascinating to listen to live and in person. So I'm going to tell my listeners that if they ever see you speaking someplace, go. If they have a chance to book a speaker, book you and certainly pick up your book. Where can they get information about how to book you, read about you, et cetera? You're so kind. Thank you. Um, I have found that it is actually not about me. It is about um, what I can offer to others. And so um, I'll give you a resource here in a minute that, you know, if anybody wants to find me, I'm very findable. Tasha Yurik, Google me. I'm the only Tasha Yurik in the world, as far as I can tell. Um, But in terms of the resource for for your listeners, a lot of a lot of times in this conversation, people say, well, how do, I, how do I know where I'm starting? How do I know how self-aware I am internally and externally? And we put something together for the launch of Insight back in 2017 that you know, we never thought we would leave uh, keep available for this long, but we've had literally hundreds of thousands of people use this resource. And so I, I sort of see it as a public service to help the world be more self-aware for anybody who um, is brave and smart enough to start that journey. So um, it's basically a five-minute quiz that is a subset of our longer, exhaustive, validated self-awareness assessment. It's 14 questions. You fill it out, and then you send a survey to someone who knows you well. They fill out the 14 questions, and then you get this really nice report back on your very high-level internal and external self-awareness, and then a couple of tools given your results to help you improve. The only thing I tell people is please do not, since this is a, a very short subset um, of our longer assessment, please don't make any major life decisions based on your results. <laughs> Just treat it as data. Um, but, but we've gotten such great feedback and I, I'm really happy to, to make it available. So if anybody wants to take that, um, totally free, no strings attached. It's www.insight-quiz. 
www.thebigquiz.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being a guest on the Keep Leading Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening. That concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.